0: everybody and welcome to the two-man game here on Claves Online. I'm Bob Ramsey. That's my partner Matt Rocchio. And uh it's March Madness. It continues to be March Madness as the brackets keep rolling forward. Um many of us dying on the vine as as time goes on. Um Rock, how how have your personal brackets gone?
1: Oh I mean they they were they were dead on arrival. I mean they were they were gone from the minute go but You know, it's been it's been a blast of a tournament since then. So I'm trying to not get bogged down to it. You know, we we talked after, you know, on on Saturday after what I thought was going to be one of the best games of the tournament. And the rest of Saturday and Sunday did not disappoint. That's for sure.
0: Really unbelievable. And just for the record, I only have eight of the 16 remaining, but I have seven of the elite eight on my bracket remaining. So kind of a kind of a weird deal. So um, yeah, you know there there really were some um, really fascinating games uh, over the weekend, and I know a lot of folks were um, uh, harping on poor officiating. Um, you know, I thought there were there were a couple kind of egregious moments, but overall, I think um, I think officiating was fine overall. It's when the when the big moments happen like a hanging-on-the-rim technical that was about as poor as judgment as you could have, um, the uh, the high-elbow flagrant two that kicked a great player out of a game. Um, you know, I, I think so many fans thought that it wasn't intentional, and I talked to some coaches, uh, Rock, who uh, said, you know, take a look. You got a guy's arm up. Higher than his shoulder, swinging back. That's that's not a normal motion. Yeah, it's kind I mean? of like yeah, it's kind of like the hockey rule.
1: You got you got to keep it you got to keep it below the shoulder. I, I that's a, that's a fair that's a fair evaluation. I, I think the one where there was a pretty strong consensus from everyone because obviously we, we we got a chance to talk a little bit about UNC Baylor, but obviously the latest game you know the one of the more um you know exciting games of the entire tournament was TCU Arizona where that bath court violation slash you know, hip check at, at, at half court didn't garner a whistle going either way. And pretty much every official that I've Damn. seen, every every coach has just said, you know, listen, you might argue it wasn't a foul, then it's definitely a backcourt violation, or you might argue that it's definitely a foul, but at some point a whistle's got to be called in that scenario. Uh, somebody else has pointed out that the, the clock – Didn't immediately start because I or didn't continue because it looked like the person who was running the 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 clock was expecting there to be a call, whether it was a foul or a shot clock violation. Obviously, eventually Arizona goes on to win that game instead of winning it at at a dunk in regulation, which would have been wild. Um, Matheson is it might be my new favorite player coming out of this tournament. He's incredible, Um, but that I mean that game was just so back and forth. I honestly didn't think we'd get better than Baylor UNC um and you know so far we've got about the same because unfortunately the refs kind of tamped that one down as well
0: yeah the TCU game um it's funny uh, my youngest son and I were watching and as it happened he goes uh, he said that's a flop and then he, he goes, so there's another a third option there it is to add to that that's a good and, point uh, yeah and he plays basketball he knows the game he goes that's a flop. And then you know they started breaking it all down. You know, it's funny. I learned, and, and you know, the rules. There are tweaks to rules all the time. But I had an official explain to me on the court, you know, about dribbling across the line and stepping. It wasn't initially uh, a backcourt violation because you got to once you're established, you got to get three point you back across the line. So you know, um, there was contact there, and if you accept that he didn't flop you 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 probably have to say advantage gained you know yeah. and if it's a flop you then you'd maybe give them the ball and make a warning but it was like nothing to see here going about your business and something happened we we might get 10 people and all disagree on what it was that happened but I think we all agree something happened. You're, you're almost going, uh, you're almost going full Jimmy
1: Schmitz in uh, in, in the West Wing, and all, all that begatting, Something began. Uh, some in all that happening, something happened. Exactly one hundred percent correct. Um, but really, I mean that Sunday. Really, I mean obviously Saturday. You had St. Peter's, you know, the third fifteen seed ever going to go into the Sweet Sixteen. Wow. First, obviously, first uh, the chance to be the first one ever to move on to the Elite Eight. But Sunday, I mean, you had Purdue beating Texas. Shout out to Courtney Ramey. He, he had another good game and, and, and you know finally was able to get a win under his belt at Texas, St. Louis native. But really, the things that jumped out to me, obviously, Auburn getting shellacked by Miami. And then Iowa. D- uh, it was a defensive oh. clinic. And then, and then speaking of that, Iowa and Texas Tech, Iowa State, I should say, and Texas Tech showing us that if you can't shoot threes, but you can play there, – there are, there are two or three very stereotypical axiomatic ways to win in March. You can hit a bunch of shots, you can hit your free throws, or you can play extremely great defense and just lock teams out like Baylor did last year. And Iowa State and Texas Tech are on that train right now as just being defensive monsters. I love what they're doing, and like you said – what Miami was able to do to Auburn defensively was extremely impressive.
0: Well, all the coaches in America now, new coaches hate what's going on at Iowa State. That kind of one season turnaround in the first year, because now administrators and boosters are going to. What do you mean you can't do that? I need you. I need, need, you know, I need three. America? I need three years. Raymond. No, no, don't look, don't look to Ames. That's a fallacy. Yeah, it's a legend. It doesn't exist. It exists. That's no, no. really a terrific story. For not for not the first time in my life, I'm
1: going to compare Ames, Iowa, to Brigadoon. It's not happening again.
0: <laughs> That's funny. That's a good. <laughs> Thank line. You.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. So as we as we see these matchups coming up, um, you know, I I think uh, the one that really did, really did kind of blow my mind. I just didn't expect Baylor was going to lose. I just I thought they were a team that absolutely could win the national championship.
1: Yeah, I mean, as soon as you lose LJ Cryer, it just that's, yeah. it, it, everything kind of goes out the window, and they had another injury, and I'm blanking on who it was right now. But as soon as I mean, as soon as you have you know one of your best players, then you lose another key you know a cog. It's gonna get a lot tougher, and then obviously when you go against a team like UNC that got like the shooting like that, I'm with you. I'm I'm shocked um, that that Baylor got knocked out. Um, I, I really thought that they were gonna be a, you know a problem for everybody. And, you know, credit to their ability to, you know, lose some of their best players after winning a championship and immediately coming back and, and having that kind of firepower and being that dangerous that we all thought they might do it again. Um, hopefully this means that Gonzaga can can finally get over the hump. Um, in fact, I think that's – I hate that I'm, like, focusing in on the chalk, but Gonzaga-Arkansas and then Duke-Texas Tech – uh, that's that's all I need on Thursday night because I, right. I still think I still think Texas Tech and Gonzaga is shaping up to be the best game of the
0: entire tournament and and that that's an absolute just I mean I mean the that's, that's Ar- the the way Arkansas is playing though you're right those Thursday night games you've got to be watching man I in fact what I did I did a little cheating for myself as I filled out my bracket little teeny right. tiny asterisks. Next to teams that I had losing at a given point, but really thought they could make a run, and Arkansas is one of those teams. Second half of the conference schedule, they might have been the best team in the country.
1: You you were you were born, Bob Ramsey, to completely just flaunt just to completely fault every no hedge question that Frank Cusimano ever tries to ask you. That's even right. on a bracket, even on a bracket, you have to hedge. That is that is epic right there. I didn't even know that's bracket hedging with Bob Ramsey. That's a new one. That's a new show
0: on Claves Online,
1: <laughs> and like you said, um, late Friday night. It's funny to me that the latest game on Friday night is going to be the one that's probably going to be the worst to like build a drinking game around. Miami and o- Iowa State. We just talked about that. That game might set a new record for the lowest scoring game in NCAA tournament history after like 1965. That's going to be. I mean. First to fifty five is going to win that matchup. It's going to be a weirdly fun one to watch. Weirdly um, fun, yeah. But but you know, I, I'm all for I'm all for Laranega and them trying to slug it down. I'm, I'm I'm down for that game. It's going to be a weird slog, but I mean, this is I love tournament. My favorite part about tournament, is obviously, when double digit seeds move on so to get four double-digit seeds the worst part about it um is that two of them have to play each other yeah. um but I mean I'm pumped even Kansas Providence and, and, and I'm a Mizzou guy so I hate watching Kansas but even Kansas Providence is one of those games that you know if it wasn't for a 15 seed and some 10 you know in Miami slaughtering Auburn I think Kansas and Providence would be the game that every college basketball honk would be salivating over in this next round
0: yeah, you know, Coach Cooley has done an unbelievable job at Providence, and I think there was a period of the season that Providence was playing the best basketball in the country. Um, and 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 you say, well, wait a minute, only one team can be the best. I'm saying for a section of their schedule, they were playing as well as you can play the game, and that's a testament to Cooley and his staff. They're just a fantastic job. You know, in in those when those def- defensive teams play. And um, I've always believed, you know, there are, there are some teams that will just go willy-nilly and they don't care about turnovers and we just want more possessions and we don't care. And But um, think about it. If you're limiting possessions uh, intentionally and both teams are limiting possessions intentionally, you've you've uh, increased the importance of turnovers exponentially, right? Mm-hmm. So every turnover is going to matter, and so if there's one stat to watch in that game, to me, it's not shooting percentages or necessarily rebounding, but it's turnovers, and then consequently points off turnovers. And in that tight of a game, I, I think that might be the deal. That's also what makes
1: teams like Iowa State and, and Miami so good is that you can be a defensive slog it down team, and I and I use that kind of like in, in a playful use of is more than an actual and then how they actually play the game because. The reason why Miami is they know how to turn on the Jets as soon as they get that turn. When the hard defense gives them easy offense, they have no problem running around, flying around like they're a, you know, like a team that tries to score 80 points in those short little moments. And so that, and that's what you saw against Auburn, even with those athletes, you slow down Jabari Smith, you make it so that Jalen Williams just coming off the bench, you know not coming off the bench, but coming out, off the bench from an injury standpoint into the game and forcing him to lead the team because you got out there, you got hands in the passing lane and then you just took the will away by got it getting out and running and finishing your shots at a high level. That was – it was domination because it was great defense turning into great offense, and sometimes teams kind of lose that differentiation when when you just talk about good defense.
0: You know, when you talk about Auburn, uh, we in St. Louis saw them up close and personal in the non-conference season in in December, I believe it was, and uh, the fact that the pick and roll basically was just taken away from them, which – I don't care what level you are. I don't know if you saw uh, Kenny and Clark Kellogg and those guys showing the pick and roll and how to defend it during one of the half times. It was really good stuff. But anyway, um, even at the highest levels, you have to know how to defend it. But it's, it's it's the oldest play in the book, and it still works when run right. Yet they took it away from Auburn. Just took it from him. I was it boggled my mind that they that they just shut him down that way. And, and here's a great example because
1: I, I think something we've talked about that I think people that kind of gets lost when we talk about defense, and, and you, you make the point about how much it is about effort and not it's not you know always about talent. And people I think people think you're trying to minimize it, but I think Miami no. in, in, against Auburn is a great example of you have athletes and you have a good scheme. But the effort aspect of the scheme is the difference between saying we hedge the screen this way so we take away, the, so we take away both the, the bounce pass on the roll and also their ability to use the screen to get into the paint. You, you, you write that up, that's a great scheme. You have the athletes who can do it. Now, is the effort in there to constantly play in, play out, possession to possession out, there to run them off those kind of plays? And that's what Miami showed. And so that's a great example of how talent matters. Coaching matters, yes. But if you don't have the effort to that level, then the little cracks are going to start to show and good teams like Auburn are going to break you down. But Miami had every effort. I mean, they were sprinting to cover screens. They were sprinting on, on switches. They were in it 100%. Because say what you will about Jim Laranega. he Say what you will about him in his past stops too. His teams play hard.
0: Yeah, you know, I this is a, a gross overstatement. Um and podcasting is an extension of all, all sports radio stylistically, anyway. And, um, I want to say one of the one of the separations of the pro game and the college game is uh, the college game is a coach's game, and the pro game is a star's game, a player's game. Again, a gross overstatement both need coaches, both need star players. I get it. But when you talk about Larenaga and you talk about coaching and styles and getting the most out of players and the team effort, um, you got to tip your cap to what you see some of these coaches getting from their group.
1: Absolutely. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, when we do our, our, our later in the week show. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the NBA because yes. I didn't watch a ton of it over the weekend, but I didn't have to because Monday just, you know, you know, Monday christened me in a new week with an incredible slate, and this rest of the week, the, the way that they're counter programming is—I don't know if they planned this—but these next two nights of NBA basketball are incredible. And Thursday's, eh, kind of, kind of okay, which is fine because I'm going to be watching college basketball on Thursday anyway. So it's just been incredible this the scheduling right now. Like I keep saying, basketball heaven, but it, it just keeps being true. March has just been the absolute best if you're a basketball fan.
0: So what what has been happening in the league is I, you know. You know, I'm, I'm looking at scores and, and looking at highlights and a few things out there, head scratching. And sometimes I can't figure out Miami, but they keep finding ways to win. And when they lose, the other teams around them lose. It's uh, we keep looking for some flip flops. but I think it's getting a little late for that. But what I am seeing in the East is that sort of uh, uh, eight through five, seeing if if a team can climb in that grouping. See, the, the big thing that jumped out to me, and I think kind of the big story right now, obviously,
1: from last night, is LeBron dunking on Kevin Love, which was fun. LeBron going to 17-1 and one against the Cavaliers uh, in his yep. career, which is, is cruel and unusual punishment, and in my opinion. Ha-
0: how does this happen?
1: I don't know. I just...
0: Cleveland's got to win that game. Yeah, I mean, they I know. just have to.
1: They have to. The, the, the Lakers are not good enough for you to be losing close games late. I mean, I know LeBron turned on the Jets because he because winning in, winning in Cleveland, not just winning against Cleveland, winning in Cleveland is different for him. That's why he went so hard during the yeah. All-Star game this year as well. And so it's different for him when he wins in Cleveland. And so, yeah, he just turns on the Jets, and that's the problem. When you lose your best defensive player to Jared Allen, the Cavs just do not have that kind of experience to with, withstand a LeBron James you know torrential downpour like that um so so it wasn't that surprising i kind of saw it coming when you thought about it it being in cleveland the big one that was surprising though had to be the game you referred to which is Miami and Philadelphia because Philadelphia did not have Joel Embiid and did not have James Harden and Tyrese Maxey just took it all on his shoulders and went ham sauce. I mean, it was it was a one point game. They were up one hundred seven, one hundred six, and he hit a step a, a, a sidestep three over Tyler Hero. Next uh, two possessions later, they're up by three now. He comes down there and hits a, I'll call it a twenty eight footer just pulls up and hits a 28-footer like it's nothing. The MVP is sitting on the bench. You're playing the best team in your conference pretty much at full health. Jimmy Butler is just under 30 points, and Tyrese Maxey puts the Philadelphia 76ers on his shoulders and wins a game. That was unbelievable. He has... Taken a completely different step ever since James Harden show, or right before James Harden started showing up, kind of the two or three weeks beforehand, and he has not stopped. I love what Tyrese Maxey is able to do. I love that he just said, "Screw it, I don't care about Jimmy Butler. I don't care that the number one seed in the East. We're coming for it." And he just completely slaughters them, just like right in front of him. I mean, just like like I mean, just dressed the deer right there, like on the court in front of the in front of the Miami Heat. It was unbelievable, honestly.
0: So can Maxey – I'm not saying to do what he did last night, but can he when the, those guys are back in the lineup? Do you think he can be a solid third guy? I, I, yeah, true?
1: I think you 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 were the first one that said you know with this Maxi kid they might have a have a big three um, on, on the podcast, and I think you were right then, and I think everything we've seen you know in the two or three weeks since that has proven absolutely. And I think last night was a little bit of a coming out party. He's kind of been there, but last night was you know kind of a, a regular season version of when Tatum. Uh, when Tatum dunked on LeBron in the playoff game, it was yeah. kind of like that. Where, you know, it's, it's the second year; it's the second year in the league. It's the number one uh, team in the East. Jimmy Butler's having a good game. Uh, Bam Adebayo is out there. You know, they Tyler Hero. They're at full strength, but they're you know big three proverbially, if you will. Um, and, and you were able to step up and do that. I mean, that was that was huge. Uh, and he did it in front of your home crowd as well, which I thought was big. So I, I love what Tyrese Max did. The game that I watched more of a, uh, and, you know, no, no big hot takes from it's just. Kevin Durant is 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 an assassin, and when he gets it in his mindset that one you've pissed him off or disrespected him, or you or you're not guarding him the way he believes he should be guarded, you're done. He's gonna rip your throat out, and he did it multiple <laughs> times. I mean, he was literally pointing at Hassan Whiteside when they on a switch. Hassan White guy got switched out to him, and he was just like, okay, I'll, I'm immediately. He did one dribble, pulled up, hit the three, and then pointed at him, and was just like, oh, what are you guys doing right now, putting this trash on me? Um, he. The Kev version of Kevin Durant where he does not care at all, and by the way, and, and by that I mean he is cursing out fans courtside. Yeah. A, a, a Nets fan told him to, "Hey, we need to get you into this game. You need to take over." And he turned to the guy and told him to "fuck off." Like, I mean, he just like the guy was rooting for him, saying, "Hey, we need you, Katie. This is this is the Nets game tonight." And he Shut was just like, get, "Get the hell out of here. I don't want to talk to you." He has a he has a complete fu mentality, and it's both on the court and off the court. And you give the greatest score, you know, naturally, maybe of all time. And, you know, the Nets are going to be, you know, murderous when the, when the playoffs get here.
0: Are we seeing, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions on the league, teams got to do what they think to get ready, but it almost seems like we're seeing light lineups trying to get guys as healthy as they can be for the playoffs. You think that's happening? I think what I think you're seeing
1: a team. I think you're seeing a league that's been doing it all year. Because I mean, even last night again. I mean, last night the Heat they were playing. They were playing pretty much 100, you know, and going against a team that they needed to win against. Yeah, but that was without two of its best stars. So you think maybe you go a little lighter. They they played them pretty full minutes. They played Duncan Robinson a little light. I think he only played like 18 minutes. Um, so that's a little light for him. But I mean, Hero still came off the bench and played 34. So I think there's some teams who are who are. You know, playing it safe with a couple teams. We've been talking about it the entire year. Yeah. I, I still don't think we've seen the Bucs uh, actually like uh, go 100% uh, for a full game yet this entire season, honestly. So I don't even know really what to take from them. But I think what you're seeing in the East is a, a bunch of young teams who understand because they have some veterans on their squad who understand you have to learn how to win. In the NBA, no doubt, and that's that's one thing that these tanking teams don't always comprehend is that you can't just bring a bunch of talent in together and throw them together and say, okay, now you got to go win because you're super talented. It usually doesn't work like that, unless in a case of you know the Thunder, you draft three Hall of Famers. It usually you're you're getting a couple good All Stars and and maybe one Hall of Famer, and those guys have to learn how to win. And so I think you're seeing it with the Cavaliers. we have seen with the Bulls, even you know a little lesser point to the Heat. Um, yeah, you know, to some points with the Nets, with the people around Kevin Durant, I think with those teams, uh, it, it, Boston, I think, might be the best example of a team that's good and has talent, but is still learning how to win, and yeah. they're go, they're playing. Deeper minutes than we really saw, like the top teams in the West play for years when they really knew what they were, when they had their rosters, when the second half of the season was about getting those three 30 year olds that you signed for mid level extensions to shoot threes and block shots, getting them in the rotation to kind of get your scheme. But in the East, which is really what I'm watching the majority right now, I do see much of young squads trying to build in the last minute in a conservative fashion, but still. Yeah, they're they're. It's coming up a little bit, but it's not as bad as it has been in previous years. That's kind of the fun of of, of a competitive, you know, parity filled league.
0: Yeah, that the games matter enough, jockeying for position for postseason, with the with kind of the two levels, the play in and then the regular the the regular top six.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, and heck, like I said, the Celtics are a great example of a team that's growing every night they play. And even last night, they had a big win over the Thunder, but uh, their defense slipped up completely. There there shouldn't be a game um, where the defense has that much trouble, um, especially against a guy like Trey Mann. Um, who's a mid-first-round pick, who's, you know, um, the first couple months of the season was averaging under 10 points. He's really exploded over the last month or two uh, to about an 18 points per game level. But him going off for 35, when literally the hallmark of the Celtics' run, other than Tatum's offense, has been a team defense that has completely stifled people. So even teams like the Celtics, who are good, and people are saying, is this an East contender? Even they can have a night where they just completely look off because they're still learning.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned games Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, Hit me with the highlights, what I should be looking for.
1: Tonight, uh, you can't go wrong with this one. Chicago is in Milwaukee playing the Bucks. That's 7 p.m. tonight, uh, here in about an hour and a half. Um, So that that right there again. The Bucks. Giannis still puts on a show even if he's not going 100% because I I think he's going to like 96%. Uh, The Bulls, though, they got a big win last night. So they're on the, the other end of it, back to back. It'll be interesting to see what kind of lineup they play because both uh, Zach Levine and why am I blanking out on their other good player? Uh, both Zach Levine and uh, I'm blanking out on the other good player right now uh, had big nights the other night. Demar Rosen, who's the he's the other big player. Demar DeRozan both had big yeah. nights the other night. So they we'll see. That's a great example tonight. Check that out to see if maybe they're holding back one of them. And then in the West, uh, you get Clips and Nuggets. Uh, clips and Nuggets. Um, Anytime you can watch uh, Jokic, I say do it, and it's on TNT, which you have right now in your favorite channels because you watch tournament games on there too. Is
0: that so in you can,
1: yeah, it is in Denver. Yes, yeah, yeah. So so Clippers are in Denver. So uh, check that one out today, and then tomorrow night is the real fun matchup because a bunch of teams are crossing time zones. So you have the Jazz in Boston. Um, Obviously, I'm going to be locked into that one. Uh, can the Jazz come back from getting slaughtered in New York the other night? Uh, can Boston come back from letting up way too many points against the, the Thunder despite a win? Can they keep their role? The Dubs, the Warriors travel to Miami. Um, think about that. Also, they have an off night tonight, and they're traveling to Miami. Okay. Uh, or no, 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 they're playing tonight, but they travel to Miami, which means the usual Miami hangover will not be in play. And so, I'm this. I don't do this a lot, but. Watch the betting line for the Dubs and the Heat, because usually Vegas likes to give the Heat a little bit of a bump on a, in, a, in home games when they get teams coming all the way from the West Coast. Oh. But Miami's playing in Orlando tonight, or Golden State's playing in Orlando tonight, which means that the chance of some uh, Miami shenanigans by the roster are lessened. Therefore, you take away some of that Miami hangover uh, oh. things and you look at the the, the Warriors uh, heat line tomorrow. I'm just saying, listen, Vegas is smarter than me. They've probably already taken consideration of that. But I'm just saying usually I never bet against the Heat at home or the Lakers at home because the L.A. and the Miami hangovers are real things. So I'm just saying maybe look at that one a little bit. Golden State is gonna stay overnight in Orlando, probably, not Miami. I think that's a big difference. I think we all know for the that difference. reason, you think? <laughs> yes, I think so. I think they stay in Orlando tonight and 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 fly
0: look, fly look. short to Miami tomorrow. I can just hear it. Fellas, look, I know you wanna go out. The Magic Kingdom is right down the street. Go see go go on Space Mountain. Yeah, um, no, this, this is this is this is this is the we're we're not going to Miami, we're we're not hitting we're not hitting the beach. This no. was
1: the trip where you made everyone bring your, their wives so they could go to Disney World <laughs> before today's to game, World. and then all of a sudden, oh no, your wife's here! I guess we're going to stay in Orlando one extra night. We'll go to Miami tomorrow, guys. We're so, not going, going to South Beach, boys. So maybe maybe the Dubs have a good game in Miami. Uh, Brooklyn plays uh, at Memphis. Not necessarily a time a huge time zone shift, but nonetheless, East playing West. Uh, and that's going to be fascinating because we haven't talked a lot about the Warriors uh, or the Grizzlies as of late. They've cooled off a little bit. I'm hoping to change bit. that. We're we're going to be hopefully talking to uh, Rob Fisher, our good uh, friend, uh, about the Grizzlies here soon. Um, they've cooled off a little bit, and so that's actually going to be a perfect time to you know catch up on John Moran, who's still playing at a borderline MVP pace against yes. a pissed off Kevin Durant. And I'm making it easy for you because that's the game on ESPN tomorrow night. So a great Wednesday wow. slate taking you right into Thursday. Obviously, when we get back into the college basketball, the NBA has just been it's it's been too good. You got Jason Tatum lining up as a St. Louis kid. You got plenty to watch in the Memphis Grizzlies, Jazz, Celtics, Heat. It's what else can you ask for right now?
0: Good, so when we reconvene later in the week, we'll be talking about the Sweet 16 and uh, the fantastic league matchups that we'll have seen the next couple of nights. Rock, that's a good head start on what we need to be doing. Talk to you in a couple of days. Absolutely, Rammer, can't wait. Matt Rocchio, Bob Ramsey, two-man game, right here on Claves Online.
1: St. Louis Acura is the only Acura dealer in the nation to win the Precision Team Award for 30 years. How do we do it? By making you, our customers, our number one priority, as others increase their fees and take advantage of limited inventory, we keep our prices low because we remain committed to becoming better than ever
0: and treating you as we want to be treated. We want you coming back and sending your friends and family to a veteran-owned, family-based business you can trust. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.